love being in Brooklyn. This is great. And with your help, we're going to win here in New York. Thank you. <laughs> Yowza. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM KSO in Cozy Cottage Grove. Out in Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. Out in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. Up in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And of course, coast to coast and around the world, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation Radio, or not, Radio Free Brooklyn, oh hello Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, and blanketing the globe five days a week on Radio Sputnik. This is the Bradcast. I'm your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another action-packed, thrilling adventure. And we do have one of those that we call the Bradcast today. Because after several quiet, some might say blessedly quiet, uh, quiet weeks without any presidential debates, Democratic presidential candidates Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders took the stage once more who knows if it'll be for the last time or not. Uh, it's the last one scheduled for now. They took the stage at the Brooklyn Navy Yard on Thursday night for another presidential debate. The CNN-sponsored debate was very lively, was very raucous, and at times quite contentious. The, uh, the warm, fuzzy, sort of lovey-dovey atmosphere from earlier debates uh, between these two was all but gone. Actually, I'd say it was completely gone, to be frank, this time around. They went directly at each other pretty much from the jump and not in a pretend uh, CNN gloves are now off kind of way. But they really did go at each other this time around and, and press each other for answers to questions in ways that, frankly, it would have been nice if the mainstream corporate media had done themselves long ago. Josh Marshall over at TPM tweeted at one point, what is going on here? He said, I feel like Trump's going to come on the stage and ask these two to take a deep breath and think uh, think for a moment about civility. Later, uh, Josh tweeted, I'm, I'm not sure I've heard two candidates yell at each other at such a sustained clip for two full hours. Going on to point out that they're both over 65 and that is stamina, he says. Yes, indeed it is. Uh, the two candidates sparred over criminal justice reform, Wall Street money, guns, foreign policy, including a, a rather remarkable exchange on Israel and Palestine. 
uh, on Social Security, the failed war on drugs, and even, Desi Doyen, I know you were very delighted about this, even on climate change. Oh, yeah. With, uh, with several questions, not just one, but several questions related to climate change, fracking. Uh, oh, yeah. Carbon. Energy. I was in hog heaven. I know you were. A carbon tax. A carb- They discussed a carbon tax. <laughs> I know. Uh, but so while we finally had uh, some smart conversation on uh, on both climate and Israel and much more, uh, it should be noted, as uh, as Ari Berman at The Nation pointed out, we've now had 21 presidential debates and no questions on voting rights, despite 17 states with new voting restrictions in 2016. And this being the first presidential election in 50 years Without the Voting Rights Act fully enforced, but oh well, I guess you can't have everything. Does you got your green questions? I got nothing on the voting. Ah oh, well. Anyway, the can't Bro- have everything. I know the Brooklyn debate comes just days before this Tuesday's big primary election in the Empire State, with recent polling in New York showing Hillary Clinton still with a fairly healthy 13-point lead or so over Bernie Sanders, who has. Nonetheless, won, I think, seven of the late uh, last eight nominating contests. Might be eight of the last nine at this point. I've lost track. So was Bernie able to close the gap between himself and Hillary at all on Thursday night in the Big Apple? And more importantly, did the voters actually learn anything from the uh, lively and at times kind of brutal face-off? Here to help us make sense of it all. Not just Desi Doyen, but also uh, one of our returning debate coverage champs, Jackie Schechner, longtime journalist, former CNN and current TV reporter. She also worked in D.C. as the National Communications Director for Healthcare for America Now, the nation's largest healthcare reform campaign, as well as for Al Gore's Climate Reality Project. Jackie Schechner, welcome back to the broadcast. Thanks. You guys have me well trained by now. I cheered when I heard questions about climate change. Did Yay. you? Good. Well, see, I thought it was Al Gore who might have uh, well trained you, but but I'll take it. Uh, also, no, I give credit to you guys for sure. Uh, we'll, we'll take whatever you. credit we can get. Uh, also, <laughs> j- joining us, uh, oh, I'm very excited about this. The great Peter B. Collins is with us from the Peter B. Collins Show for news and comment and brilliant interviews and insight where uh, I personally spent many a year appearing as a weekly guest back in the day. And uh, I even still pull out a a few helpful clips every now and again from those programs, Peter, when helpful, even on this show. Welcome to the broadcast, PBC. I'm delighted to be with you. And I was trying to calculate exactly how many hours you worked for free appearing on my (laughs) radio show and, Uh and exactly what kind of deficit I have in the broadcast accounting department. <laughs> yes, you, well, you do quite a bit, actually, but I would point out that uh, it's all a bit of a blur now, whatever the hell happened back then during those Bush years, but I'm fairly certain that you, Peter, were the first one to ever be, um, let's say, foolish enough to entrust me as a guest host for some ridiculous reason. So I just want to let people know, let listeners know, if they have any problems with the broadcast. Please feel free to blame my friend Peter B. Collins for somehow making it all possible years ago. It's a virus and there's no cure. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, guys, let me start with uh, let me start with you, Peter, since it's your first debate show with us. CNN and the corporate media always characterize these things as, uh, you know, the gloves were off and the ca- candidates went at it, etc. But uh, they really did go at it last night. It's not just me, right? Was that a surprise or, or to be expected by this point as you see it, Peter? 
quite intense, much more intense than any of the preceding debates, and it really is because Bernie Sanders has uh, become much more aggressive. And he opened up a, a, a bunch of new lines of, of attack and positioning last night that I'm grateful for. You, you referenced many of them in your introduction, Brad. Uh, and I also thought that Hillary Clinton is a terrific debater. She is remarkable on her feet. Uh, she uh, doesn't stumble, doesn't do a lot of, um, like, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, <laughs> she doesn't have a Rick Perry moment where she forgets the three points she's trying to make. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't support Hillary, but I, I do respect her uh, as certainly a qualified candidate. And like Sanders, I, I think he scored well when he raised issues about her judgment on, on critical matters. And so I would give, uh, you know, Sanders the, the net edge on the, the night, but I don't uh, count Clinton out. And in terms of its impact, we have to recognize that the New York State primary is a closed party primary. Mm -hmm. And so with the polling numbers that you cited, Brad, uh, Bernie has a huge challenge, and he's going to need more than a, a, a bottle of holy water from the Vatican uh, to pull off a, a stunning upset on Tuesday night. Which is where uh, Bernie Sanders traveled uh, right after that debate on uh, on Thursday night. I believe he's uh, speaking on at the Vatican. Uh, Jackie, uh, for all the bickering that we've seen between uh, Sanders and Clinton supporters this cycle— I don't think it comes uh, even close yet to equaling the vitriol I, I recall between the uh, Obama and Clinton supporters back in 2008. Uh, but I don't know if any of those debates back in 2008, while they were very tense, very dramatic, I don't think they ever got qu quite as, uh, I don't know if ugly and brutal is the, the word here, but as tough as the Clinton and Sanders debate got last night. Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, to, to your recollection, Jackie? Well, I think it seems to have faded over time. Um, but I do remember being frustrated. I was a big Obama supporter and was frustrated with the way that Clinton's campaign was attacking him. I thought that it should have been more more cordial. And so if I remember correctly, I wasn't pleased with the rhetoric back then either. But you have to also give credit to where the networks are taking these debates, because I think that what's happening on the Republican side has caused the networks to want to ramp it up on mm. the Democratic side as well. And if you think about the first question that went out last night, I mean, basically it was, Bernie Sanders, do you really think that Hillary Clinton is unqualified? Right. Or that she has bad judgment, right? So it started out not tell us why you're going to be the best candidate, but tell us why you think she's not. And, and when you start with questioning like that, that's the tone you set for the night. And indeed, let me get right to that uh, question. But before we do, since uh, Peter, since you brought it up and we usually like to go around the table here, you said you are not a, uh, uh, a Clinton supporter. Does that mean you are a supporter of Bernie Sanders at this point? Yes, and, and, you know, in my podcast, I've made the case. Uh, I have many criticisms of Senator Sanders, particularly on foreign policy. Mm -hmm. He addressed some of that uh, last night. But my, my bottom line is that uh, I support Sanders over Clinton, and I will be voting for Bernie in the uh, June 7th primary here in California. I'm not a Democrat, by the way. I'm uh, an independent uh, the Cali speak is I, I, I state no party preference. Mm -hmm. And as a result, uh, the way the system works in California, I can go to the polls and request a Democratic ballot, uh, which I will. And, and yes, I will vote for Sanders. 
Uh, I'm sorry to hear you're not going in for Ted Cruz. Uh, Jackie, <laughs> Jackie uh, at last time we, we spoke, Jackie, I believe you were uh, leaning Sanders is how you characterized it. Are you, you still leaning in that same direction? Yeah, I am still leaning in the same direction, and not because I'm too lazy to stand up. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I like what he's doing. I like what he's saying. I don't think Clinton helps herself any when she stonewalls on transcripts. Um, I, I will vote for him in the primary, but most likely, uh, unless something goes horribly awry between now and June. Um, but I also will support whoever the Democratic nominee happens to be. And I think that that's what's most important at this point, is to say uh, that I will support who's got the country's best interests at heart. And I think that will be whoever wins on the Democratic side. Which, of course, raises an issue that I'd love to talk about, but we haven't time for. We've been talking about it quite a bit here, the the whole Bernie or bust idea. Maybe we'll get to it uh, a bit later in the show. But let me uh, jump in to our first, uh, well, as you referenced, Jackie, that first question out of the box. That was Mm -hmm. about uh, Sanders calling Hillary unqualified to be president last week. He had cited a Washington Post headline saying that her camp had called him unqualified, and he reacted by calling her unqualified due to her relationship with uh, big money interests and so forth. They have both since uh, stated, I think, pretty unequivocally that the other is, in fact, qualified to be president. And uh, Peter, I know you had some specific thoughts on all of this that I, uh, that I want to ask you about, but let me play a part of this exchange where Sanders uh, said that what he was really talking about was was not whether she was qualified, but whether she had the best judgment to be president. And she responded in kind by hitting him for the way the New York Daily News characterized an interview that they did uh, describing how he planned to break up the too big to fail banks uh, that that he didn't really have a, a, a way to go about that. Here is some of that pretty loaded exchange and then we'll get some thoughts from you talk about judgment and talk about the kinds of problems he had answering questions about even his core issue breaking up the banks when asked he could not explain (laughs) how that would be done when asked about a number of foreign policy issues he could not answer about afghanistan about israel about counterterrorism I think you need to have the judgment on day one to be both president and commander-in-chief. And let's talk about judgment, about the worst foreign policy blunder in the modern history of this country. I led the opposition to that war. Secretary Clinton voted for that war. Let's talk about super PACs and 501c4s. Do we really feel confident about a candidate saying that she's going to bring change in America when she is so dependent on big money interest. I don't think so. It was really like a, a two dueling campaign rallies more than a debate at times. Uh, Peter, a, a lot to unpack there in, in that clip, but uh, the media is the, the fact that the media is still raising uh, these points about uh, Bernie Sanders' comments last week calling her unqualified. That seems to underscore. Uh, not only uh, Jackie's point that they are looking for a fight, but uh, something that you said, Peter, in an interview recently that you believe Bernie was swift-boated by the media here. Please explain. Well, and I think uh, Hillary engaged in, uh, you know, repeating the memes of the swift-boating several times in the debate last night. Mm -hmm. So let me first explain why I apply the term from the 2004 uh, takedown of John Kerry Mm -hmm. to the present tense. 
and and that is that swift boating was a very effective way of uh, of throwing John Kerry off message on the defensive, and ultimately, I believe, it contributed to his defeat. And what they did is instead of attacking John Kerry for being the elitist windsurfer, <laughs> we remember that video. Right. Oh, yes, yeah. I do. They went after his greatest strength, which was his bio as a Vietnam War veteran who had then come back and opposed the war. And so by swift boating him on his strongest points, they undermined his credibility with many uh, swing voters, and that cost him the election. So what is the Clinton campaign doing? Well, on the night of the Wisconsin primary, they leaked to CNN that they are going to disqualify and defeat Bernie Sanders. Then they launched all of these uh, questions about his credibility. Uh, they treat him like he's a doddering old man who doesn't know what he's doing. And in particular, they used the April 1st interview with the editorial board of the New York Daily News mm -hmm. to try to support these contentions. And I believe that most people have not read the transcript from the Daily News, because if you do, you cannot come away feeling that Sanders didn't know what he was talking about, doesn't have a plan to break up the banks, or that he couldn't answer questions. The one question he declined to answer was a trick question about a recent court decision related to MetLife that had not yet been published on April 1st. And so he gave an honest answer that I haven't studied that, and I, I don't have a response for you. And they have used that to suggest that he doesn't have an answer to a multitude of questions and issues. And then the piling on began with that, that leading headline in the Washington Post that said uh, Clinton asks if Sanders is qualified. That's the way she phrased it. Mm -hmm. Then he misquoted that, and that is his, you know, to his uh, detriment. Uh, he claimed, quote, unquote, she has said, I'm unqualified. Then he riffed on that and said, well, if that's the case, then she's unqualified because of Wall Street money, mm -hmm. and he ticked off several other issues. Well, I would have used the phrase disqualified, not unqualified. Mm -hmm. But that said, the, the trap was set, the meme was launched, and then we saw the very next day the fact-checker at the Washington Post uh, said, no, you know, uh, Clinton didn't actually say he isn't qualified. She just asked, uh, she just asked if, he, if he is qualified. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then there was a Washington Post editorial the same day that suggested that he doesn't know uh, his core issue, breaking up the banks. Then the next day, Paul Krugman unloaded in the New York Times with very similar uh, threads. Uh, again, taking the Daily News interview, cherry-picking out-of-context quotes, and then claiming that you can broadly paint uh, Bernie Sanders as uh, uninformed and out of touch. Now, this is, in my view, swift boating, pure and simple, and Hillary engaged in it on several occasions in the debate last night. Was it? And I'm going to play one of those uh, uh, clips in a moment. But uh, do you, so when you describe this as swift boating, is that a, a swift boating effort by the campaign and the media or, or just, uh, just the campaign and the media took the bait, as you see it? In other words, is the media purposely working with the Hillary campaign to, to try to hurt Bernie Sanders, as you see it, Peter B.? That is a question uh, I, I raise. I, I can't prove that Paul Krugman mm -hmm. uh, has read the campaign talking points, 
but they're widely available. And for him to use, you know, strikingly similar statements suggests to me that, uh, you know, he, he, he may not be calling and saying, hey, what should I put in my column tomorrow? But he certainly is aware of what the campaign is trying to do. <clears throat> Pardon me. And he has been using his column to attack Sanders and belittle him and keep reminding people that Krugman has determined that Sanders cannot win. Uh, I find it really offensive, and I, I can't, you know, say that there is direct coordination between the media and the campaign. But in the Washington Post editorial, they first challenged him on whether he knows how to break up the banks, and then they raised the question, well, why do we need to break up the banks anyway? And well, Sanders actually answered that in his preamble uh, at the New York Daily News l- interview. Let me play uh, a little bit of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted go to ahead, just jump in real yeah. quickly, just just to add a little bit of context and perspective. We're talking about a nominating contest where Donald Trump may be the GOP nominee. So I think that Sanders and Clinton going back and forth and who may or may not be qualified is is a little ridiculous. And and I understand it's happening, but it does seem incredibly unnecessary given that whoever the GOP nominee is going to be, and most likely, I mean, if we take a look at how it's playing out, it's going to be someone like Donald Trump. I don't think qualification is a problem on the Democratic side. Well, no, it's, it's, not, it's not, Jackie, but and uh, let me play a clip, and I'll, I'll let you respond again here, because, it, yes, you're absolutely right, but in the choice between the two of them, uh, I think it's a fair enough issue who is more qualified, but it was it, it has not been fair the way that it has been uh, put across by uh, by the media. I would argue by the, uh, the the Clinton campaign. But we have seen this a lot from her in these recent debates. I, I think I complained about this last time. Uh, he, here she is again. Um, uh, she had uh, uh, t- sort of turned Bernie's attacks on her and her acceptance of these huge sums of money uh, from billionaires and, and corporate interest. She turned that somehow as an attack once again on President Obama. Make no mistake yeah. about it. This is uh, not just an attack on me. It's an attack on President Obama. Oh. President Obama. <laughs> let me tell you why. President Obama had a super PAC when he ran, and President Obama was not at all influenced when he made the decision to pass and sign Dodd-Frank, the toughest regulations on Wall Street. This is a phony attack that is designed to raise questions when there is no evidence or support to undergird the insinuations. Okay, uh, Jackie, there she there she goes again, uh, taking these attacks that uh, I think are, are legitimate uh, attacks from Bernie and turning them into, oh, she's attacking President Obama. To me, that seems yeah, fundamentally I don't like. dishonest. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like when she does it. I don't think it's necessary. I think it's very strange that she's all of a sudden suction-cupped herself to the president. Um, it just doesn't sound genuine <laughs> or sincere. And No, it's true. And I, think with a, I just like that no, word. And I, no, and I think you know a woman who's got a credibility issue in terms of sincerity, I don't think those sorts of of tactics are doing her any favors. Um, I don't think Bernie Sanders' intention is to attack President Obama. That at no point do I think that he's against the president. And I think she needs to stand on her own merits and stop wrapping herself around him. Uh, I just, for me, those are one of the things that make her unlikable in my book. There's, well, a, there's a sincerity chip missing when she makes those sorts of arguments. Well, it must be working, though. Uh, hang on, Peter. It must be working because she continues to do it, even though. 
uh, it, it seems on its surface fundamentally dishonest, and you heard the people in Brooklyn even booing when she did it. Uh, uh, Peter? Well, th- there are a couple of things here. It is a very clever tactic on the Clinton campaign's part. And uh, let's go back to the uh, failed Al Gore campaign when he didn't embrace his Democratic predecessor, and many people believe that was the fatal flaw mm-hmm. in, in that campaign strategy. Uh, but Sanders has a, a very tight uh, a tightrope wire to walk here because he doesn't want to appear to be uh, running against President Obama or excessively critical of him. But implicitly, he is saying that, you know, the president didn't do enough to clean up Wall Street, hasn't used Dodd-Frank to break up the banks that are bigger than they were too big to fail in Mm -hmm. 2008, and most notably, not a single Wall Street executive has been indicted. And so they're allowed to pay fines uh, in the billions of dollars that uh, are taken essentially from shareholders, uh, but the individuals are not held to account. And I wish Sanders would edge out into that territory, but he recognizes that you know, he, he's going to walk a plank there, and, and Hillary can cut that plank off uh, and say, oh, well, you're not really a Democrat, and you don't really support the president. But since she launched that back in, in the second or third debate, uh, she has gotten away with separating herself from President Obama on a number of issues, most notably now Libya and the Syria no-fly zone. And nobody, you know, turns that against her and says, oh, well, Hillary, are you criticizing the popular Democratic president of the United States? Right. It's an attack on Obama when you don't support his foreign policy in Syria. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Uh, Here here was a a point, though, that I do think Bernie... um, should have been prepared for uh, a, a bit better. He was asked to name one decision. Uh, he's been, you know, obviously criticizing her because of all the money that she gets from Wall Street, and was asked to name one decision that shows that uh, she favored uh, the big banks because of the money that she has received from You've them. Consistently criticized Secretary Clinton uh, for accepting money from Wall Street. Can you name one decision? that she made as, as senator that shows that she favored banks because of the money she received? The obvious decision is when the greed and recklessness and illegal behavior of Wall Street brought this country into the worst economic downturn since the Great Recession, the Great Depression of the 30s. The obvious response to that is that you got a bunch of fraudulent operators and that they have got to be broken up. That was my view way back. Now, Secretary Clinton was busy giving speeches to Goldman Sachs for $225,000 a speech. So the proper response, the proper response in my view is we should break them up. And that's what my legislation does. Uh, so he didn't really answer the question, Jackie Schechner. Uh, shouldn't he have been uh, more prepared for that? And with that said, is it really germane to the to, to the question at hand? In other words, whether she has or not uh, done them any favors, uh, she's not president yet. She still uh, you know, has that opportunity to do them favors. So uh, so I guess two questions built in there, Jackie. Uh, shouldn't he have been more prepared? Yeah, I mean, he should have. I, I was live tweeting last night, and what I noticed was he seemed to be stumbling a bit on the specifics, not only of you know anything in particular she'd done, but also on how he would break up the big banks in particular, and that's a subject that he should own no matter what. I mean, if that's the, the core, the, the income inequality argument is the core of his campaign, he should have specifics on any and all aspects of it. 
Um, so, yes, and I, I think there should be some examples. But at the same time, the fact that she's not willing to release these transcripts and she keeps giving these ridiculous arguments that she will when everybody else does, when he's really the only person she's running against at this point, uh, just feeds into the narrative that she has something to hide. So uh, without giving an absolute specific, I think he still got a valuable argument there. Um, it would be helpful had he been able to come up with something in particular, but I, I don't know that he necessarily lost much ground uh, because she's not doing herself, she's not helping herself at all with this whole transcript argument. Peter, before I get to a break, uh, since Jackie brought up the transcripts uh, that that she will not release from her speeches to uh, investment banks that she reportedly received millions for, uh, her response was, uh, "Well, uh, I'm not going to do it if if uh, everyone else won't." And Bernie said, "I don't have any to release." Right. And uh, the, the Republicans, there, that's a whole different issue right now. Uh, and then she said, "Bernie should release his tax returns." She, he said, "Yes, I will release my tax returns." So, a, what's the holdup in releasing his tax returns long ago? And b, Peter, since you've worked as a, a consultant yourself to various campaigns, how would you advise? her on these transcripts if she was your candidate here? Well, first of all, uh, Sanders has no excuse for delaying the release of his tax returns and allowing that issue to fester. Uh, and the fact that Jane does his taxes and they're at home, I, I mean, I'm sorry, that, that, that doesn't wash for me. How, and on her transcripts, this is really uh, just a, a corner that, that Sanders has been able to back her into. She doesn't want to release these because uh, she uh, secured uh, confidentiality agreements. When she was paid uh, $250,000 to talk to a realtor's association in San Francisco, uh, everybody's cell phones were confiscated. Nobody was allowed to take pictures or videos or any recordings. And so she's over a barrel here, and uh, he knows it. And it's a great way to continue to remind people of all the speaking money that she took. And she, you know, I, I believe that she gave a lot of that money away to charity, but she never mentions that. And, uh, mm. you know, I, I do think that the, uh, the opportunism that it shows and the vast wealth that the Clintons have rolled up since they left the White House broke uh, in 2000 uh, is stunning. And that, of an, you know, in and of itself, it shows how separate the Clintons are from the lives of average Americans. And when she went to the Verizon picket line and stumbled through some talking points with no conviction and then got into that big black SUV <laughs> and, and was driven away, uh, it, the optics of that you know, didn't work at all in her favor. And when Sanders needled her about uh, you know, speaking fees from Verizon, which is a fact, uh, she had no response. Uh, and, so and I, 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 do, I do think that it would be in her best interest to release these, but there is stuff in the speeches that would be worse than not releasing them. I, I think we have to conclude that. That must be the case, but I think it's going to come up over and over and over again if she is the nominee in the uh, in the general election, and I think that could potentially be very damaging. i got to get to a break here, guys. Uh, much more ahead, including the, uh, the very progressive and very popular fight, uh, popular at least across the board with both Democrats and Republican voters alike, if not necessarily with the uh, elected Republican officials, the fight to raise the minimum wage and incredibly enough, smart discussion on Israel and even climate change. All of that and more straight ahead on the broadcast with Peter B. Collins and Jackie Schechner and Desi Doyen. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. 
Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so, now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time-only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy by taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com donate today. And thanks. If you do not support raising the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour, as president, if a Democratic Congress put a $15 minimum wage bill on your desk, would you sign it? Oh, of course I would. And I will work as hard as I can to raise the minimum wage. I always have. But what I have also said, we've got to be smart about it. I am sure a lot of people are very surprised to learn that you supported raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's just not accurate. I have stood on the debate stage with Senator Sanders eight prior times. I have said the exact same thing. If we can raise it to 15 in New York or Los Angeles or Seattle, let's do it. If you're both screaming at each other, the viewers won't be able to hear either of you. Yes, welcome back to the Bradcast. <laughs> Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with our uh, our post-debate coverage of the Thursday night Democratic presidential debate in Brooklyn uh, when Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders squared off uh, for what could be the last time. So much to cover here. Uh, going back through the debate again this morning, it was so substantive in truth. Uh, so let's let's get right back to it with my guests, uh, Jackie Schechner and Peter B. Collins. Uh, all right, guys, the uh, Sanders, as you heard in, in that opening clip there, uh, Sanders has been long calling for a $15 an hour federal minimum wage. Clinton has been calling for raising it to $12. All of that uh, in the wake of uh, uh, places like California and New York just last week raising their own state minimum wage to $15 an hour. And suddenly Hillary Clinton last night was uh, seemed to suggest that, yes, she, too, was actually in favor of a $15 minimum wage all along. I have said from the very beginning that I supported the fight for 15. We want to raise it higher than it ever has been. We will set a national level of 12 and then urge any place that can go above it to go above it. Going from 725 to 12 is a huge difference. I want to get something done, and I think setting the goal to get to 12 is the way to go. But of course, if we have a Democratic Congress, 
We will go to 15. Jackie Schechner, is it uh, is it smart politics here for Hillary to call for a lower wage because it's, you know, somehow less, I don't know, less scary, somehow more po- uh, possible, akin to the way uh, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare eventually got passed by not setting the goals too high? Is she smart there to do that or is she uh, missing the boat? Well, it's in line with her rhetoric in general, right? I mean, she's she's all about practicality. And I think that the problem for her is that while she's not necessarily wrong in thinking about how you get things like this passed through Congress, what we like to hear in campaigns is aspirational rhetoric. And so Sanders is saying what people want to hear and want to see happen, and she's saying... I don't think that's doable. I'll do it if I can, but I don't think that's doable. And she's not wrong, but it's not it's not uh encouraging, it's not it's not inspirational. It's not the rhetoric that people like to hear when they want to believe in somebody. Um so it's a a little bit of a message of can't uh as opposed to we can. Right. And people don't like people don't like I don't think people don't like to vote on on practicality. That's just not it's not going to get people out to the poll. So uh-huh. I, I, I don't know strategically, just from a messaging perspective, I know she's trying to stay true to where she usually sits, which is on the side of practicality, but I'm not sure that that's resonating. Peter B. Collins, a debate in a, in a Democratic debate over uh, whether the minimum wage should be $12 or $15. Uh, would we even be having that debate if Bernie Sanders wasn't, uh, wasn't in the race at this point? Cesar Chavez never said, no se puede. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Aim aim low. Yeah. 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 And honestly, the dynamics of this, uh, I believe this is where Sanders won the debate last night, because uh, Hillary was, uh, you know, doing different yoga postures to try to reconcile 15 and 12 and coming from seven and a quarter, and Trump doesn't want to increase it by a penny. Uh, and it reminds me of an interview I did with the late Sonny Bono when he was running for the Senate from California back in 92. And, and in the space of 45 seconds, he took three different positions on the defense budget at the time. And, and Hillary, you know, she can't please anybody with the answer that she gave last night. And I think that, you know, people see that just over the arc of this nine-month campaign, that Sanders has been calling for 15, and and let's be fair, these laws in both New York and California get to 15 six years from now. Mm -hmm. So this is not an immediate overnight, uh, you know, doubling of Mm -hmm. the minimum wage. It is incremental. And yet, uh, we show that Sanders, through the, the aspirations that he offered, did create an opening for Governors Cuomo and Brown to uh, make a move in this direction that is really substantial. And and I think that it undermines the, the pragmatic argument that Clinton makes on virtually every other issue. You know, oh, you know, that's pie in the sky. We can't go that far. Uh, don't promise them free college education. And I think most people say, look, he may not be able to produce, but who is going to say, I will vote against the things that Sanders has articulated. Desi Doyne, you had a thought? Yeah, I was just, I, I disagree a little bit with you guys as far as, uh, you know, whether or not uh, Bernie did better uh, on the, the minimum wage argument, because I think what, what Clinton is clearly doing is positioning herself for the general election for those uh, Republicans and those independent voters who would tend to vote Republican uh, to make it sound like, see, I'm a moderate. I'm not going to scare you, especially if you're a big business owner. I'm not going to make mm-hmm. things really, really hard for you. So I think that that's an actually... 
you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think it might be an exceptionally effective tactic at this point for those people who are in states who are like, well, you know, maybe I would vote for her because she's not this, you know, crazy fringe candidate who's going to really push big business so, and small business off the ledge. So somehow raising it only to 12 is going to be more beloved. Like, than hey, <laughs> I can work with you. Talk to me. I will work with you on yeah. this. So I think that it's more of a negotiation tactic, you know, not that it's, you know, where we need to be, but it is a, a tactic. All right. Let, uh, speak. Desi, Desi, to your point, she, she made another argument later on when they were talking about uh, 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 trade deals and how mm-hmm. as Secretary of State she had promoted fracking internationally. Yeah. And, and she made this dig at Sanders that, uh, you know, she wants to work with corporations to right. expand exports leaving the clear implication that he is so antagonistic to them that uh, he couldn't promote American business internationally. I thought he, 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 he parried that pretty well by saying, oh, there are a lot of great companies, a lot of green companies that I'd love to promote around the world, but it's not going to be General Electric. Let, let right. me play this very quickly before we get to the, because uh, I want to make sure we have time for the Israel and the environment uh, discussion. But uh, since you mentioned this, Peter, uh, this is clip number four, Des, um, they ask him about, uh, they ask Bernie about, well, uh, we'll just play this. Senator, you've slammed companies like General Electric yes. and Verizon for moving jobs outside of the United States. The CEO of Verizon called your views contemptible. He says you are, quote, uninformed on this issue and disconnected from reality. Given your obvious contempt for large American corporations, how would you, as President of the United States, be able to effectively promote American businesses around the world? First of all, the word contempt is not right. There are some great businesses who treat their workers and the environment with respect. Verizon happens not to be one of them. By the way, turns out that both Verizon and General Electric in a given year pay nothing in federal income tax despite making billions in profit. Senator. I just wanted to get that in because, uh, uh, Jackie... What a loaded question. Yeah, you worked at CNN some years ago, so I'm going to blame Mm -hmm. you for what Wolf Blitzer just (laughs) did. The obvious contempt for large businesses, is that either appropriate or accurate uh, for a a debate moderator? No, it's a terribly worded question. I mean, I, you know, I don't know that there's any, like, corporate collusion or that there's any, like, network mandates to take a certain angle with debates. At least there wasn't when I was there. But I think sometimes the anchors and reporters' own personal opinions get in the way of, of good moderating or good reporting. Um, and it seems like that was a, a particularly uncomfortable way to take that question. That- I mean, he could have just said, you know... Given given uh, some of the things that you said about how corporations are taking advantage of the American economy, do mm-hmm. you think you're able to, whatever the wording was, uh, without having to present it? But again, we're talking about a debate that started off with, do you really think your opponent's not qualified? So, <laughs> that's you know, right. that's we, we set the tone early on for this kind of debate. That's uh, CNN apologist Jackie Schechner. <laughs> I'm speaking with her and uh, Peter Don't B. Collins. Don't do that. You're going to get me into trouble. I That's going to hit the internet. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'd hate to see that happen, Jackie. All right, let me. Let's. Uh, uh, well, let's get to this uh, to this Israel thing because this was quite remarkable. Um, Sanders, uh, Bernie Sanders, has uh, said that Israel's response to uh, uh, to Palestinians in Gaza was disproportionate uh, to the attack against Israel. And, of course, uh, Jackie's uh, best friend, Wolf Blitzer, asked, um, <laughs> what, 
What do you say uh, to those who, who say Israel has a right to protect themselves? Which was kind of an odd way to uh, to ask that question, but but let me play his answer uh, and, and, and a bit more from this exchange. Of course Israel has a right not only to defend themselves, but to live in peace and security. But we had in the Gaza area, not a very large area, some 10,000 civilians who were wounded and some 1,500 who were killed. Was that a disproportionate attack? The answer is, I believe it was. And let me say something else. As somebody who is 100% pro-Israel, this is not going to be easy. But in the long run, if we are ever going to bring peace to that region, which has seen so much hatred and so much war, we are going to have to treat the Palestinian people with respect and dignity. Right now in Gaza, unemployment is somewhere around 40%. and hasn't been rebuilt. Decimated. Houses decimated. Healthcare decimated. Schools decimated. I believe the United States and the rest of the world have got to work together to help the Palestinian people. That does not make me anti-Israel. That paves the way, I think, Thank you, for an approach that works in the Middle Thank East. Thank you. Secretary. Uh, Alex Burns, the New York Times Metro writer, said that uh, described that as quite a moment in New York primary history. Uh, with the Dem repeatedly, electively going on offense, going on offense in support of an even-handed approach to Israel and the Palestinians. Hillary Clinton was asked if uh, she agreed that Israel must end its disproportionate responses. Uh, let me play a bit of that, and then I'll, I'll get to uh, both of your thoughts on this. And you evaded the answer. You evaded the question. The question is not does Israel have a right to respond. That's not the debate. Was their response disproportionate? I believe that it was. You have not answered that. I will certainly be willing to answer it. I think I did answer it by saying that, of course, there have to be precautions taken. I read Secretary Clinton's statement speech before APEC. I heard virtually no discussion at all about the needs of the Palestinian people. Almost none in that speech. Describing the problem is a lot easier than trying to solve it. And as Secretary of State for President Obama, I was absolutely focused on what was fair and right for the Palestinians. And I believe that as president, I will be able to continue to make progress and get an agreement that will be fair both to the Israelis and the Palestinians word, without Senator, ever, ever undermining Israel's time. security. Peter B. Collins, uh, have we ever heard anything like that in a U.S. presidential a debate to your uh, to your memory uh maybe back in the carter ford debate uh i i think that there were discussions about israel and i think that uh, jimmy carter you know positions somewhat the way sanders is today but i'd have to look that up that's mm-hmm. a a weak uh, recollection in my my brain but I, I do think that this is very significant in a number of ways. Uh, up until this point, Sanders has been really ducking foreign policy issues. He has not taken any strong positions other than the repeated references to the Iraq War, which is, uh, you know, it, it's significant, but it's, it's ancient history, really. And uh, he did, I think, an incredible job last night of, uh, you know, once again saying that he's 100% pro-Israel, but that he, you know, wants to offer respect and dignity to the Palestinians. He wants to recognize the disproportionality. And I'd like to note that Wolf Blitzer, who asked both questions, 
and who came to CNN from APAC, the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, back in the uh, late 1980s. Uh, he actually asked them slightly different questions. Uh, he asked Sanders, uh, you know, was the Gaza attack in 2014 disproportionate? And what do you say to people who say Israel has a right to defend itself as it sees fit? Well, then Sanders answered that, and you played his answer, but his question to Clinton was slightly different. Do you agree with Senator Sanders that Israel overreacts to Palestinian attacks mm -hmm. and that for peace Israel must uh, uh, end their disproportionate responses? Now, Sanders didn't say uh, the, the last part, and uh, Wolf Blitzer ended up broadening the question to all uh, Israeli reactions when Sanders was explicitly talking about the summer of 2014. Mm -hmm. And I believe that was a setup to, you know, enable her to mm. offer these Israeli talking points. Mm. And earlier today, I did an interview with Max Blumenthal, the courageous American journalist. He wrote the book Goliath mm -hmm. and about the, the 2014 attack on Gaza. He wrote a book called The 51-Day War. And it's interesting, everybody knows his dad is Sid Blumenthal, who's very tight with the Clintons, and uh, the Hillary Clinton emails uh, display that in ways that are somewhat embarrassing at times. Uh, but uh, Max Blumenthal is unequivocal that he heard Hillary Clinton using the Frank Luntz-created uh, uh, message points that Israel uses to advance its uh, uh, framing that it is a victim of the Palestinian assaults when the real irritant that triggers all this is Israel's occupation. And uh, many people, uh, you know, who support the boycott divestment sanctions movement and who are critical of Israeli policy uh, would wish that Sanders went further. But I think this really was historic for him and for the campaign and for this current era. Uh, that he was willing to make the very strong statements that he did uh, and actually repeat them. I, I must get to uh, our, our final break here. So very quickly, Jackie Schechner, does the fact that uh, Bernie Sanders is Jewish allow him to offer some more uh, reasoned nuance uh, in, in this conversation that we, we simply do not hear in American presidential politics and arguably in, in national American politics, period? I mean, I do think that that does give him some qualification um, that other candidates may not have and the ability to be a little more critical. Um, as somebody who's not totally steeped in Middle Eastern policy, and I don't follow the Israeli-Palestinian conflict probably as closely as I should, but it is refreshing to hear somebody say, yes, there is an instance where I found a response to be dis disproportionate mm -hmm. and, and not that doesn't characterize him as anti-Israel. Like, I, I don't think yeah. that to be pro-Israel, you have to be behind Israel on everything at all times. Um, well, so I, I like to hear that, and I think that speaks to me, that speaks to the sincerity behind Sir Bernie Sanders that I like so much. Well, and the fact is, uh, you probably don't cover uh, follow it as closely as you should, because it is so rarely discussed in the, in the media in this way. Sure. If, if it was discussed like this sure. more often, we'd probably be talking about it more often uh, in, in those terms. Uh, let me get to a quick break, and we'll come back with, uh, with more broadcast coverage of the Brooklyn uh, debate between the two Democrats with uh, Jackie Schechner and Peter B. Collins, my guest. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. Great to be here in New York. I believe 
that this country has enormous potential. Keep New York values at the center of who we are. If we have the guts to take on the big money interests. Take those New York values to the White House. Knock down the barriers that stand in the way. When millions of people stand up, fight back, and create a government that works for all of us. To build on the values that we share here in New York. I'm back, back in the New York room. Yes. And we are back on the broadcast uh, after the two Democratic presidential candidates, both from New York, sort of. Bernie Sanders, born in Brooklyn, Hillary Clinton, the uh, former two-term U.S. senator from the Empire State. They had it out on Thursday in what could be the final Democratic presidential debate of this season, depending on how things go in Tuesday's New York primary and the rest of the contests uh, still beyond it. Our last few minutes here of our post-debate analysis with radio journalists and commentators Peter B. Collins and Jackie Schechner and, of course, our own Desi Doyen. I want to get to uh, some of the climate change-related issues. Uh, there was a lot of them, uh, Desi Doyen, surprisingly. Uh, we've got a number of clips, but we probably only have time for one uh, for now in which they talked about fracking, carbon tax, and everything else. Let's go to uh, clip number nine. 43 lobbyists for the fossil fuel industry maxed out, gave the maximum amount of money to Secretary Clinton's campaign. But that does not mean to say that the lobbyists there thought she was a pretty good bet on this issue. Now, what I think is, when we look at climate change now, we have got to realize that this is a global environmental crisis of unprecedented urgency. I am proud, Wolf that I have introduced the most comprehensive climate change legislation, including a tax on carbon, something I don't believe Secretary Clinton I worked with President Obama to bring China and India to the table for the very first time. And I was very proud that President Obama and America led the way to the agreement that was finally reached in Paris. I was surprised and disappointed when Senator Sanders attacked the agreement, said it was not enough, it didn't go far enough. Let's talk about that. When you were Secretary of State, you also worked hard to expand fracking to countries all over the world. Of course the agreement is a step forward, but you know agreements and I know agreements, there's a lot of paper there. We've got to get beyond paper right now. We have got to lead the world in transforming our energy system, not tomorrow, but yesterday. It means having the guts to take on the fossil fuel industry. Okay, I'm just going to jump right on in here. So, uh, you know, New York State has banned fracking, and Hillary Clinton says she supports that. However, her policy is uh, proposed right now is to allow local jurisdictions to decide for themselves. If they want to ban it, they can ban it. If they don't, then they don't have to. Bernie, however, he is going after a total ban across the country. So you can look at that as two major differences between them. Bernie is correct. What the policies are that are out there right now are not going to be far enough. And not having further regulations on the methane emissions, the fugitive methane emissions from fracking, is a huge climate problem. So 
just in short, I think what we're looking at here, Hillary is being pragmatic, just like Jackie said. Bernie has the actual idea of how far we have to go, and he's got the boldness on his side. Jackie, uh, Jackie Schechner, more on uh, more incremental change versus uh, sea change, pardon the pun, in this particular contest. But <laughs> the fact that the electorate seems to be going for Hillary Clinton, does that seem to mean that uh, the electorate prefers slow change rather than the political revolution that uh, Bernie Sanders has been calling for? Well, in, in terms of climate change, I don't know, because my experience with climate change is that it's very hard for people to wrap their brains around, unfortunately. And when I did a lot of work with uh, Gore's climate reality special, I learned just how important this is and just how big of a problem it is. But I think it's hard for people to understand. So I, I don't know that it means the electorate is with her, because I'm not so sure they understand the, the mm. larger implications of things like fracking or not going farther than just putting an agreement on paper. Um, so it, it's tough to tell, I think, on that particular issue, because it's, it's not reaching into the sort of the day-to-day lives of people uh, on a personal level in a way that's tangible, that they can truly understand. Well, uh, so I, I don't know. I think it's a, a tough thing to, to gauge. Well, at, uh, to, to pull a wolf blitzer, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it right there and uh, pick that oh, up. No. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> we're going to have to pick that up in the future. Before we get <laughs> before we get out, uh, well, Peter B., uh, after you've spent the uh, the past hour just beating up mercifully on, uh, on Hillary Clinton, is there anything nice you might be able to say about her before we go? I really appreciate it that she just busted <laughs> out in the middle of an answer last night and noted that in all of the debates, no one has raised the issues of abortion rights, the crackdown on Planned Parenthood, the efforts to deny access to contraception and other women's health uh, mm-hmm. services. And I applaud her for raising it. it, it the, the, you know, the networks are, you know, in... in uh, <laughs> They, they should be uh, feeling ashamed of themselves because they cover all these gotcha questions about qualifications and never get to critical issues that matter a lot to voters. Uh, you, you're absolutely right. I was happy to see them get to some of those, but not nearly enough. And, well, too little, too late in many regards. Uh, the great Peter B. Collins. Check out his podcast at PeterBCollins.com on a uh, daily or damn near daily basis. You should also follow him on the Twitters. He is PBCSF as in San Francisco. And you should uh, follow uh, Jackie Schechner on the Twitters as well. She is Jackie Schechner on Twitter. That's easy. Uh, And, of course, at JackieSchechner.com. Thanks to both of you guys. Uh, Great to have you here. And uh, if they debate again, hopefully you will join us again in the not-too-distant future. Sounds good. Thanks to my producer as well, uh, Desi Doyen, to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, uh, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, please download it for free anytime at bradblog.com or over at iTunes. You can find and follow me on the Facebooks and the Twitters as well at the Brad Blog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.